Welcome, everybody, to the Apex Sunday podcast. We're hosted by two petrol heads, myself, John Dowsett, and Rob Ross. And this is the podcast that banters and rambles on about Formula One races, news, and events. John, the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix started in the wet, and I'd like to share a story about a wet race, or my favorite wet race that I've ever done. Do you have a favorite or memorable wet race in your karting or professional career? Yeah. I do yeah. I have a wonderful experience with okay. that. You know, I don't think you really, I don't think you really understand what it's like to race in the rain. You can't even imagine it, even if you're a, a crazy driver that has done all kinds of wild things on the road until you're actually in a racetrack. It's, it's mind-boggling, and you either have it or you don't have it. it doesn't seem like there's any in between. There isn't people that are half decent at the rain. They're, you're either great at the rain or you're not good at the rain. And I was very lucky. I I somehow was good in the rain. Now, I was racing a softly sprung car, so that helped a lot. Not softly sprung by road standards. And cars that would lap me because I was racing in a in GT where I was the slowest of the group. And right. the fastest would lap me every four or five laps. That's how fast they were. I mean, they're Le Mans cars, for heaven's sake. And did you have rain tires? No. No. And just sort of road tires then? They're race tires. Treads at least? Yokohama 008s, I believe they were. They had, had a slight tread to them. Right. And this guy that would lap me repeatedly the whole season at the Nationals, it rained. And it looked like I was going to beat him. I was going to be first overall, which just never happens when you're at the bottom of the barrel, bottom class. And I think I ended up finishing third overall, which right. was just to have me completely chuffed and won my class, which was amazing. And how many races did you do in the rain? Do you remember? Mm, only two. Only two, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Right. And the rest were in yeah. the super hot or, or warmth, cold. I, I mean, it's, there are right. races in the fall and the spring that are quite cool. But my favorite race is probably the 89 right. Australian Grand Prix. And that might be one of my favorite races of all time, period. I've never got a chance to watch it. 89, you said? Is that where Senna ran into the back of Brundle? No. I don't believe no, so. Okay. It's where Senna just hammered his way through the entire field. And just, was oh, incredible. Well, back in the day, we would go to local go-kart tracks around southern Ontario and try them all out. So we went to one in Paris, uh, Paris, Ontario, obviously, and not France. And do you know Paris, the city? Yes, home of Todd Brooker. Okay. So we arrive at the circuit and... To my youthful eyes at the time, I didn't see too much wrong with it other than I knew they were terrible cars because they were go-karts with those big, huge rubber bodies put over the frames to look like like formula cars, as they called them. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. they had open-face helmets. So I was not used to that. Usually we have closed face. So I thought, you know, at this point, being the age I am now, I would arrive at this circuit and go, these guys are struggling. You know, they're not doing too well. They're cheap carts, cheap helmets, and so forth. <laughs> so we get on the circuit, and it was dry. And about three seconds later, the rain came down beyond all belief. It was just so, so strong and so hard. It was so hard that my face hurt. The drops hitting my face with the open face helmet hurt, physically hurt. <laughs> And these were very slow carts, right? That's how hard the rain was. And they were so deep. They were sort of like bathtubs that the rain would sort of 
gather up inside the cart on the straight. And as soon as you put the brakes on, a whole bunch of water would just fly out. <laughs> and then sometimes you'd go around the corners and they, the water would fly out left to right. And of course, we were on slicks, so it was extremely slippery. And we were just sliding all over the place, hitting each other until we found the rhythm that we needed. However, when we came around the first lap, the guys that were running the circuit were waving us into the pit, saying, oh, it's too dangerous, basically. We ignored them, of course, and we continued on. <laughs> and we just had the greatest uh, nice. time. And the second lap that we came around, instead of waving us into the pits, they were cheering us on because they, they could see how much fun we were having and they were enjoying the show. And I don't remember who won. I don't remember who came in f second, third, anything like that. I just remember the joy of the experience. It was just so much fun. It was the best fun I've ever had in, in karting on the worst track, and it was all because of the rain. So when this Grand Prix started in the rain, I immediately thought, well, Max and Lewis are probably going to go well. And basically that's kind of what happened, although it was kind of a mess, wasn't it? It was kind of a mess. And there was a lot of heat. There were a lot of people going off, a lot of people coming back on. I think that's the, it's the great equalizer rain. And I was, I was hoping that we would have a, a different finish. And we had a different finish. I mean, Lando just drove brilliantly like he did he deserved his his uh, driver of the day title i thought he was just wonderful and it was kind of disappointing with three laps to go to see the mercedes is clearly a crazy car that he shouldn't have he should have been penalized for what he did i i think i think that lewis should have been penalized for his errors and that just goes to show if you have a crazy fast car there is no penalty for making errors and you can live a little bit freer. Yeah, especially in Lewis's case, because I'm not sure what happened to Valtteri. Tires again, reportedly, so he didn't do too well at all. But I agree with you. I'm, the other thing is they get to unlap themselves after a red flag, so that helps tremendously as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. But before we go into the race and qualifying and so forth, is there any news that interests you? Offhand for me, it's Canada in jeopardy. The Canadian Grand Prix looks to be canceled again due to COVID. And the issue is the 14-day mandatory quarantine in Quebec that the drivers and the staff would have to adhere to. And they can't, they can't fit that into the schedule. So last year it didn't happen. And given that, you know, we formerly lived in Canada, but now we live in Covidia, I, it may not happen at all. Uh, where are we? We're at the end of April or mid-April? Race is usually in June. Yeah, I'm kind of skeptical. It's scheduled for June, and, you know, will, will there be exclusions made for it? At the same time, I'm skeptical. I'm also thinking that's quite a big possibility because of the money involved, right? Yes. That said, I, is the money it must be reduced quite a lot because there won't be an audience. There won't be people in the restaurants, in the hotels, and so forth. So, you know, where is the money in this kind of situation? I'm not, I'm not sure. It's all on TV rights, isn't it? It has to be, yeah. The question is, is now, now Quebec gets to foot the bill for it. And yeah, maybe it won't happen. Mm -hmm. You know what? It wouldn't be the end of the world if it didn't happen, right. as far as I'm concerned. I don't think it's a great track. I've never really liked that track much. The fans yes. need it. Just to see that it's Canada, and we have two Canadian F1 drivers now, yeah. so it would be you know it'd be nice to to have them here. But it's hard to say. The the big shakeup for me is Saint Jovite, the old Canadian Grand Prix track. And back in the 60s, they used to switch mm -hmm. back and forth between Mosport and Saint Jovite or Mont Tremblant, and yeah. it's owned by Larry Stroll, 
and he finally lost the battle in in keeping it open, and it's up for sale. The so that's why he's selling it now. I saw that. Yes. Selling the property, I guess, because it'll be converted to something yeah, else. It'll be a, a land development of some sort. Right. Because the local residents have finally won in court due to noise complaint, which is just, anyway, I think it's tragic. Is that where Jill and, and his brother race there quite it's a lot? where all the Canadian greats have raced. All the Canadians, right. all of them, you know, from Ron Fellows to Empringham yeah, David to Empringham. Paul Tracy to Scott Goodyear. Ledwig Heimrath just goes on and on and on. You know, all the great Canadians raced there. No coincidence that both of our F1 drivers are French Canadian. Because when I got into F1, no one in Toronto and Ontario, other than a very few people, knew about it really until Jacques came around. But go to Quebec and F1's all over the place. So it's just more of their culture. Well, we had in Ontario, we had one of the best feeder systems ever leading up right mm -hmm. into the 80s there, there was everything there were multiple spec series you know there was everything from honda civics to the players gm series which was camaros and firebirds and formula ford and formula atlantic and all of those fields were big and they were sponsored and it created ron fellows and paul tracy and and scott goodyear and others do you know, Ron, I met him once at a motorsport store in a mall in Mississauga 30 years ago, and he was a very nice guy. He talked to me. can't remember what we talked about, but I just remember walking away saying I was a nice guy, and you know, he was willing to talk to a complete stranger. Yes, he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. I've, I've, I don't like to say that I know him, but I've talked to him a number of times, and, and I think he's just a great guy. Another thing that, I, that caught my eye was Ricardo crashes for promotion. He's not happy about Liberty using crashes to promote the sport. I know we've talked about this in the past. We hate it when they show Jill's accident or, you know, certain types of accidents. I do know, like, certainly accidents can be spectacular. I remember Andretti at Interlagos. That was, for some reason, I've never forgotten that crash. Patrese at Estoril, where he flipped over. And Minardi at Imola, where they... F it was either Imola or Monza, where they flipped over. But generally, I think... He was very upset with Grosjean's crash being played over and over and over again. And I have to agree with him. I don't think that's the right way to promote the sport. But at the same time, I'm not surprised because wrecks are something that the Americans like. I don't want to put down Americans, but IndyCar, NASCAR are built for crashes. Well, that, it's a culture. to see it for crashes. And, and it's not just them. I, I, I recall... Way back when, when I was racing, I got invited to some friends' place to watch the F1 race. And there was a group of guys that got together for every F1 race. And, and there was a great big, huge shunt. And they were just thrilled about it. And I was cringing in the corner. <laughs> I never went back. So is it spectacular? But I agree with Danny fully. And it's been accelerated. And it's because it's now owned by an American company. So Liberty Media is going to cater to Americans. And they're going to, they're going to show that that kind of stuff, thinking that that's what everybody wants, but I don't think that's what it is. And say hello to the dog. Big dog. <laughs> there was also the Prince Philip funeral delayed qualifying, and there was a tribute to Fausto Grissini, who was a MotoGP team owner and former 
two-time 125cc champion in motorcycles, and he was born in Imola. I don't know anything about Prince Philip other than he's a royal. I saw him once with his wife when my uncle was doing security for him at Maple Leaf Gardens. I was a little kid, maybe 12, I guess, and he pointed out all the snipers on top of the buildings around them in case they had to take someone out. <laughs> that's all I know about him. That's my only experience with Philip. Do you know anything about him? Yeah, or? but I don't really care. I mean, he, look, he was he was the consort, Queen's consort. I hear that, you know, he, he was my kind of guy and that he'd say what he thought was funny and didn't care whether it was politically correct or not. Those days are kind of gone now, but he hung on to that. And I guess he was able to hang on to it because he's so old and royalty. But yeah, and he designed a Land Rover to carry him, which is special for me because I have one. Right. So he, so can you elaborate a bit on that? It's an icon between Philip and Lizzie, right? I mean, they've, they've been, they've always had a Land Rover right up through Defenders. And when the Range Rover was basically built for the Queen because she loved her Land Rover so much. And she still stuck with the old Defender and liked her old Defender. And he clearly loved it as well. So he redesigned the biggest one, the longest one, the 130-inch wheelbase, so it could carry a coffin and, and modified it. And they built three of them because God knows if one was going to break down, even though it was brand new, because it's a Land Rover. Right. Anyway. <laughs> In other news, I found it interesting what Gross Jeans was able to, Romaine Gross Jeans was able to pull off an Indy car in qualifying and Absolutely. he was topping the charts and in the race he was up in the top five and ended up finishing 10th in his first race. Yeah, it's funny because I was speaking to my father about Bottas. Basically, both of us kind of concluded that this is almost certainly his last year at Mercedes. Mm -hmm. Just it's He's just not cutting it compared to Lewis, obviously. But he's a very good driver, obviously. So he could go somewhere else and enjoy himself. And that's what Grosjean's done. And you see that with MotoGP. Some of the extra riders go to Superbike and have great careers and enjoy themselves. So F1 is not the be-all and end-all. I mean, I can't say that. Obviously, it is for Valtteri for his whole life, but I, I don't think he's long for at least the Mercedes team, but he could go elsewhere and enjoy I himself. I think he's lost the plot. I mean, when he was, when he threw the bird <laughs> at yeah. George, you know, that, that's just not right. And he's kind of lost it. I, I don't know. That's just my opinion. You never know. Maybe he can pull it together. If you look at Lewis in his, in his year where he lost to Nico, he was in much the same sort of demeanor as Valtteri is now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting how that works. Mm -hmm. When you raced professionally, you didn't have a teammate, right? You were just a one-car team? No. Right. Have you ever had a teammate in any kind of racing situation? No. No? Okay. Any great rivals? or? Oh, absolutely. Was... Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, I don't think he's long for it. And, and I don't know if you looked at that, how closely you looked at that incident between George and Valtteri, but instantly I was just thinking, you know, Valtteri was just being a complete knob for what he did. Mm -hmm. And then looking at all the footage in slow motion over and over and over and over and over, and over again, it's really clear that Val had nothing to do with that at all. Right. My initial reaction was it was Russell's. I've, I've seen it, we've seen this many, many times where a driver just goes to the left or right a touch, but you catch that out of their corner of your eye and you might react. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like I've seen it before, so it's, it's no surprise that it happened, basically. But, and also the anger afterwards, somewhat understandable because you're in a life-threatening situation. But more than that, I think Russell wanted to score some points for Williams and he didn't. 
it was an unfortunate incident and he apologized for afterwards. I don't think it's really going to be much of an issue going forward between those two and for Russell in the future. I don't think so either. There's a lot of, but there's a lot of chatter in the online groups about how they're pissed off at Wolf because he's told uh, George that he he needs to keep quiet about things like that and not to badmouth Mercedes. Right. The final thing, Miami's getting a race next year. They got a 10-year deal starting next year at a purpose-built circuit around the Hard Rock Stadium where the Miami Dolphins play. So there'll be two races in the States. So I think they're going to hit their 25 races a year target pretty quickly. Now, I wonder wonder what that circuit's going to be like. Have you seen any drawings or anything of it? No, I haven't really looked into it. I usually wait till it actually exists before I take a look at it. And I'm sure there will be you know videos of virtual driving around it and so forth. So hopefully it's a good circuit because if it is purpose-built, I don't know if it's already built or if it's going to be built. If it's going to be built, I hope they do a very good job because we need better circuits as well. Yeah, it looks like a nice track. I'm just looking at the drawing on the F1, Formula1.com site. Has it been built yet or is it just planned? I think it's just planned. I mean, the Texas track track is absolutely beautiful. And is, there can't be a better start straight that you could ever imagine except for maybe yeah, Spa. Yeah, that's a great circuit. Qualifying was great. I mean, it, yeah, Lewis has the Gretzky of poles now, 99. That's a lot of poles. <laughs> a lot of poles. Again, coming back down to how many how many times he's had a whack at it. And he's very lucky to have had the fastest car. You know, if you scroll way back in the past, the drivers used to flit about a lot more than they do now. And this is why Moss never won a championship because he was never in the in the fastest car. I was very, very disappointed in the fact that Lando did not end up third on the grid. And I agree fully with the track limits, but I think the track limit should be all the way around the track. I don't think that they can pick corners and say, well, you're going to gain time if you run the curbs on on four. So we're going to bust you if you hit go off on four, the exit of four. Especially there's there were quite a few that went off and it was actually slower because they lost you know either the front or the rear for a bit. So they slid yeah. off and they're trying to get traction back. Why are you penalized for that? You've already been penalized by sliding off. It's an attempt to make the racing more fair, but their policing of it needs to improve. People are just not happy with it. No, in my mind, it needs to be that line all the way around the track. Right, so you're just saying like an absolute, and so there's no, absolute. no confusion, basically. Absolute. Right? Yes, and if you scroll back 50 years, 60 years, it wasn't just sliding off onto some empty tarmac, it was hitting a tree. And if you look at how close the Armco barriers were to the track at turn-in and exit, it was like Monaco. Every track was like Monaco, only there were trees and Armco barriers to hit. And I think they've got it too easy now. What do you do? Put a transponder in there? It'd be pretty easy to put a transponder in and take it out of the, the hands of the officials. It's interesting, in, in MotoGP, they've put sensors in the green parts of the of the circuit, so that if you hit the green, it'll sense it, and then it's sent to timing and your lap is deleted. But even then, there was still some controversy about, well, all my tires on it are just a tut. It's just always such a gray area, so they need to come up with an improvement. I kind of like your idea of just absolutes and get rid of all the confusion. Right. And it gets rid of the noise, too, if we do that, right? Anything else with qualifying? We saw Vettel. Well, well we said Vettel. He hasn't been in Q3 for 14 races. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
that really shocked me. Is he truly on a, a down form at the moment? Is he not able to adapt to this car? He just needs some time. I guess it's very hard to tell, isn't it? I think his mojo is gone. What do you mean by that? Like motivation and interest and so forth? or There's a fire when you get into a race car. There's a focus. There's a confidence level that is absolutely required. And that was ripped out of his gut by his former team, clearly. And it was almost like an out watching an alcoholic. You know, he got taken down right down to the very bottom to the point where he just didn't give a damn anymore by the end of the season. Like he wasn't even caring, caring what he was saying about the team. He's one of those drivers who's also suffered from, I think, unfair criticism. I guess most of the champions do. He had the best car. That's always the standard one. He had, you know, certain technology that made him better with the front end than Mark Webber did or with the back end, that kind of thing. These are all factors, of course, but at the end of the day, he delivered four championships. He delivered all those wins. He was given that car and he, he delivered with it. His move to Ferrari ultimately just didn't work out. It wasn't the Michael Schumacher story. I don't think he has it anymore. I think he's given up the go. He's been doing it a long time. Yes, and it takes a very, lot very to keep long. that fire going, I think. The other thing I also noticed over and over again every time I watch British coverage of racing is they still use miles per hour. Yeah. So I looked it up, yeah. and yeah. officially they still can use miles per hour. So they're technically a metric country, but weight and speed are still in imperial units. I was a little young when the conversion happened, but I do remember it from miles per hour to kilometers per hour. I remember a friend trying to convince me that imperial was better because if you're an hour away from your home and it says 60 <laughs> miles away, you'll know you'll get there. And I said, okay, but if you're 100 kilometers away from home, you'll know you'll get there in an hour as well. The base 10 <laughs> is much better than base 12. What is your experience? And do you still think in miles or do you think in kilometers these days? I do because I have days? vehicles that have speedometers in, in both. What drives me crazy is it's the American thing, isn't it? It's, the Brits have the same thing where the wrenches for my British cars are different for the, than the wrenches for my Japanese cars that are different for the wrenches for my North American cars. It's just, it's just not right. It's just a pain in the arse. I just think in kilometers, I, I just can't process miles. They, they mean nothing to me. I'm in a metric country. You know, I know I, I know I weigh 62 kilos. You know, I, I've made an effort to be a metric type of person. So, you know, that's just me. Kind of reminds me of the uh, Gimli glider. Do you remember that story? Yes, yeah, Where yeah. the Air Canada had filled up their fuel using the Imperial system yeah. when they converted to metric, so they ran out of fuel halfway <laughs> through the flight, <laughs> but uh, they safely landed, so that was good. There's that, and there's the only thing I have a tough time with is temperature. So if you want to, if you want to report it to me in Fahrenheit, oh, yeah? I'm, You're Fahrenheit, I can't convert it to Celsius, and I'm just used to Celsius. I know what temperatures I like in Celsius, and I don't in Fahrenheit anymore. Yeah, I don't do Fahrenheit either as well. Celsius makes sense to me. One other thing I'd like to point out about qualifying is Haas, Williams, and Alpha are not developing at all. We talked about this last time. Their cars for this year, which ensures that there's going to be Ferrari engine cars and Mercedes engine cars at the back of the grid. 
Well, they're putting the money into the next year's car. They don't have the money to de- to develop both like the big teams. We'll that- see how this works out next next year. As Kimmy says, we will see. Will they have the resources to be competitive with this strategy? I have no idea. Hilariously, in the past, way in the past, historically, there would be teams that would run last year's car for the first two, three races until they got this, this car going. And if you go back even further, there were times where Alfa Romeo, you know, won three years in a row with the same car. So things have I think it's the right thing to do because they have to do it. If they don't, then they stay where they are. Things have changed. I remember seeing an eight-minute pit stop for Nicky Lauda <laughs> in a documentary. I'm like, wow, it just keeps going on and on and on and on. You know, we have two-second pit stops now, so we're talking obviously different technology and different situation, but in terms of percentages, like thousands of percentages faster <laughs> in terms of that. Yeah. So. And there was fueling back then, right? Yeah, that's true. Anything else in qualifying? Or should we move on to the race? Let's move on to the race. Seb starts from pit lane. Did you know what that was about? I didn't hear anything other than it was a technical issue. Yeah, so let's start there with the coverage. Once again, terrible, terrible coverage. Technically, you know, in terms of the video quality and all that, that's all great. But too many times we had Crofty and Brundle talking about a pass in the uh, stack of the, the position stack at the side of the screen. Again, they've done this. Like, is this is this the new strategy or something? Like, it's terrible. Like, show the passes full screen. Instead, we're seeing Lewis go around a corner by himself, and we see a pass in a small window. It makes no sense to me. The boys are not. I think they're just getting stale. I think the team is just stale. They've been there for so long, and it's the same people over and over and over again. And I think it's time to get some new blood in there. Yep, especially all the screaming, although this time not too much screaming, so that was good. I guess if it's less of a exciting race, we'll get less screaming. The other thing is Imola. Back last year, it stopped in 2006. I've always liked Imola. I've driven it in virtually in racing car games, and it was always one of my favorite circuits in that regard. I haven't tried the new layout. What do you think of Imola, and are you happy to see it back? I'm happy to see it back. I love it. There was more than one person that was saying it's just too small and too narrow for today's wide cars. And I thought, <laughs> no, it's a great track. The one thing I uh, it's got is the old school blind corners. And you don't get that perspective from the in-car footage that they show because the, the, the camera's too high up. You, you aren't seeing the driver's perspective. And if they could drop the camera down to the eye line of, of the driver, it would clear so many things up so many things up as to everything that goes on on the track and it's the blind corners that i just adore yeah it's interesting that the we've seen helmet technology helmet cams occasionally where it's basically at eye level but we just don't see that very much i guess it it's not very practical or something i'm not sure but that whole section but that starts at tosa all the way up the hill and to the start i love that whole section it's just wonderful wonderful to drive that's for sure i'm not sure what the drivers think i didn't hear too much about it but i'm happy that it's back another thing i noticed was mick spinning while he was warming his tires safety car too slow that's always being brought up do you think they should have sort of an open wheel safety car to go a certain speed no i don't think so 
No, you know what? They're just whining. They're drivers. You know, so so you can't go full bore and you have to warm up your tires when the safety car pulls in. That's that's part of the race. That's part of what you're after. You know, I, I no, I, I have a problem with the whinging on that part. I, I think that I think that there was there were more moments of that. I mean, there, even Max had a moment on the warm up lap where he got it sideways. Yeah, McLean and, spun on the formation lap. They had no practice in the wet for the weekend, so not too unexpected. Yeah. Well, no, th- these are professional drivers. They they should they should have it figured out. I don't know. It's I th- I wonder about the tires. I really do. I wonder if the engineers have spec everything to such small margins and expect the drivers to do absolutely everything they can to compensate. I just wonder if the tires are just terrible at a certain temperature in that condition. And it's very. I know they're the best drivers in the world, but how hard is it compared to tires of 20 years ago? I just have no idea. I do know that everything is data driven these days and engineered to no end. I, I kind of give them a little bit of a pass because I personally can't judge that. And we hear about tires all the time. Baltas had t- trouble with tires getting temperature into them. I just don't know. I agree that, you know, they shouldn't be spinning all that much, but spin here and there in these kind of situations, I don't, I don't think it's that bad. The simple fact of what happens with those tires is that if you compare it to driving your road car on dry pavement and driving it on gravel or driving it on wet pavement it's or snow, it's a cold tire is like driving in the rain in a road car. And as soon as you get them up to temperature, it's like driving on dry pavement. It's that kind of a huge gain. But if you don't know... If you can't judge that as a race car driver, you don't belong in a race car. If you overheat your tire, you basically destroy them. So there's a fine line in there of taking care of your tires. And these guys have learned it for years and years. They, I mean, they did that when they were in Formula Ford, for heaven's sakes. They definitely did it in GP2, GP3, and go-kart. So why can't they do it now? <laughs> what about in your racing experience? You've been tumbled, right? Yeah. Were you hit? Yes. What yes. happened? Like, did you have to the bill and all that? You just have to pay for everything. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's no insurance. There was no insurance on the race. Were you injured and or anything? Or no, you were okay. No, it was a bit of a moment. You know, I was left hanging upside down, and I and I could smell gasoline. Ah, that's not good. <laughs> and I wanted to jump out of the car, and the the marshals wouldn't let me. And then right. two marshals crawled into the car and basically cradled me out, which was incredible. And they did it very quickly. Marshals are incredible human beings. Yeah, and they work for free, don't they? Yes. One of the things that I thought was very peculiar was Perez and his strange decision to pass during the safety car when he went off. It reminded me of your old classmate, Scott Goodyear, at Indianapolis when he passed. It was the actual safety car the itself, right? And that allowed Villeneuve to win. What do you make of that? I mean, it's again, it's a sort of like you were saying earlier, they should know better by now. I was really surprised that Red Bull didn't radio him and say, you know, don't do that. Yeah. yeah, or get those places back. Get those places back, yeah. That was very bizarre to me. Did you know Scott, or did you just, he was just a classmate of yours? I sort of knew him, but I think that that, that shocked me as well with Sergio. And That's why I thought of the, the Goodyear situation, because I remember that feeling, like, immediately going, what, what's going on? What is he doing? This is not what you should be doing. You know, I'm not saying that they're not intelligent people or something, but at something they missed something at the at the moment, didn't they? And we all do that, but the team did too. That really surprised me. They should have said, 
don't do that or get back. They are the B team. And going back to qualifying and Perez, when we were watching qualifying, Max was not as fast as I thought he was going to be. And Perez was very close. And then they showed the replays of those laps. And Max had big, big error in the middle of his qualifying lap, and Perez didn't. So it just sort of goes back to confirm that there is an A team and a B team. I don't think Perez has the car that, that Max has. It was also interesting, kind of related with McLaren. Clearly, Norris made a request saying, I'm faster. Ricardo moved over pretty quickly, and Norris was faster, so he didn't have to give the position back, and he went on to finish third. Do you think McLaren, they just need to give Ricardo more time with that car, and he'll be up to speed? What did you think of that incident? I think there are two factors in what happened with Lando and Danny. One is that, yeah, it's a new car to Danny. I was very impressed that Danny afterwards said that they gave him all the time that he needed to show that what his pace was, and he couldn't match that pace. And it could just a little bit of an indication of how fast Lando really is. But I don't think he's that much faster than, than Danny, if he is faster. No, no, but I was really impressed by Norris again. He was my driver of the race last race and again this race for sure. And it's interesting that no controversy over this. You know, every time there's a move over, there's so much controversy. But this was an example of the team getting the maximum that they could get with both their drivers. And I had no issue with it whatsoever. And Lando got third and McLaren did everything they needed to do. So I'm pretty happy to see McLaren doing well again because for a while there, they were really, really down. My favorite team. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mine yeah. was Williams. They're not really Williams anymore. Yeah. At the moment, do I have a favorite team? Probably not. I don't even have a favorite driver at this it's time. It's kind of hard to have a favorite driver, especially once you get to this point. I mean, there's. I can now say that quite clearly, Lewis Hamilton is somebody I did not appreciate. I can now honestly say, yeah, he is a brilliant driver. Yeah, He's a brilliant driver. He is. I didn't admire him that long, not that long ago, but now I can say, yeah. I mean, he's, he's got what it takes. And I think there are a bunch of other guys in there, too. I think it's Danny's questionable. Danny's, Danny shows pure speed and unbelievable overtaking capabilities, late breaking. Yes. yes, he's really good at that. So I hope he, you know, becomes one with the car, becomes comfortable with it as the season progresses. And also, Max, after the race, he said to Martin that it's difficult to know when to switch to slicks. When you were racing, I guess there was no switching of tires in, in that kind of class, is there? Mm-hmm. No, they're all sprint races that I did, yeah. Who's your driver of the race? Lando, I guess. Oh, yes, yeah. I, I, he was he was phenomenal. In, in an odd way, you can say that what Lewis did was pretty phenomenal, too, in battling through the field the way he did. But Lando with soft tires at the end that should have been just completely fried to hold on to the end of the race, that's pretty pretty amazing. And like I said earlier, we had Lewis coming through the field. Bottas didn't. I mean, by lap 23, he was 70 seconds behind the leader. <laughs> that's just astounding. I do realize that, again, tires and the wet and maybe they got the setup wrong and something. But if you don't get it right, you're gone. You just lose so much time already discussed the Russell Bottas crash. Anything else about that? It was pretty spectacular. I, and it made it even more spectacular with all of the bits of the signs all over the <laughs> Typical rage moment. That's to be expected. I have a little bit of forgiveness for George because it's got to be very tough for him. I mean, he, he got in a fast car and then got mm. relegated back to a slow car. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. 
And he did so well in the Mercedes. But the other thing about that was it was quite an accident, wasn't it? Like Valtteri in particular, he seemed... Clearly so taken. It could be a little bit of mansolitis with Val, a little bit of showmanship. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so the next race is the Portuguese Grand Prix. Is that at Portimao again? The Algarve. It's Algarve. not a right? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, Portimao. That's a nice track. Yeah, I do like these circuits that have elevation changes and, like you said, blind corners. Yeah. Anything else about the race? We should rate it. I'm going to give it a three. I enjoyed Orlando, <laughs> but overall, yeah. you know, I had to struggle to stay awake for most of it. And the coverage, I'm going to give a one. I'm not happy. Actually, that brings a question. You're watching the coverage, the Sky coverage on a broadcast station. I'm watching it on the F1 service. They never show Anthony Davis or any of the other people. I hear their voices, but I don't see what they're talking about. So you saw Anthony talking about certain things, right? And showing highlights and so forth. Oh, Ant is great. Yes. Yes, I did see Yeah, so the F1 coverage doesn't show that. You just hear it. It's very, very strange. (laughs) All right. The next race is the 30th of April. May 2nd. May the 2nd in Portugal. Looking forward to it. Hopefully it's a better race than this one. And uh, we'll talk about it in a couple weeks. That sounds good. I I rate the race at two and a half. Two and a half. What about the coverage? The coverage is just nonsense now, so I, I, I can't even rate the coverage. <laughs> and did you watch any other races this weekend or recently? No, I didn't. But I want to watch, I want to watch the MotoGP race. You also race. expressed a slight interest in Formula E. Did you try that or not? I tried Formula E, and the coverage of it made what just made it intolerable oh yeah i haven't tried it in a long time what did you think of the circuit Beautiful. was it very tight very tight oh yeah I, to watch them come in for their pit stop where they change to another car kind of cracked me up well they're they're doing that still yeah or well it was an old, old i watched an old race oh okay okay right but the coverage was awful the coverage <laughs> was just uh, just awful do you know awful. who did the coverage no mark Priestley does it for a radio station i think or some youtube channel but you didn't have it. Mark wasn't on that, was he? No. Okay. So maybe, maybe I need to find, it's, it's difficult to find. So maybe I need to, to give the current stuff a go. Right, right. Maybe I'll take a look at it as well. All right. Well, thanks, John, for the interesting conversation about a less than interesting race. And hopefully <laughs> next <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully next race is, is much better. And thanks everyone for listening. And please subscribe, share, like, all that stuff. And we'll see you next time. Talk to you soon, John. Soon. Take care. 